week 14 that is a wrap ladies and gentlemen welcome to miami welcome to me and hayden being out of our element hayden it is dog bowl weekend shout out to john karuk for winning two hundred thousand dollars a million dollars in prizes given away this weekend yep. at the dog bowl uh hayden i will tell the people out there who join in every single sunday it's going to be a bit of a different show this week. Yeah, basically everything went sideways. Uh, we lost Daigle last second. Hope Daigle's feeling better. COVID, my voice, hope you feel better, buddy. My voice shot because we've been having a decent amount of partying uh, down there. But uh, a lot of people that watch our show yes. qualified for this. So that's a moral story. Use promo code the show. Get out there. Get in the Battle Royale streets. Uh, there will be a ton of content to, to build off what happened this week. But it's cool to see everybody. And most importantly, Hayden and I aren't used to personal interaction. No. Uh, we're typically no just over StreamYard, over yeah. the internet. And so doing this in person is a bit different. But we're going to continue. And the show must go on. And we kick things off with... Rams versus Ravens. Everyone saw how this one ended in overtime. Ravens open, three and out. Rams then get a delay of game on their own third down, punting down to the 25-yard line. They punt return touchdown by Tylen Wallace, takes it 75 yards to the house. A Debbie, a dynasty king, <laughs> makes his one play in his NFL career. Game over. But Hayden, I had to take you all the way back through like the first four quarters of action. All right. Because it was a tremendous back and forth effort. The Rams opened with 52 rushing yards, nine straight runs against this vaunted Mike McDonald-led. Baltimore Ravens defense, then three straight passes in goal-to-go situations. The final one on a blitz, Matthew Stafford incomplete. The Ravens, Lamar Jackson, instantly respond. A 60-yard score to the man filling in the shoes of Mark Andrews. Isaiah, likely wide open on a wheel route, a little run after catch, puts the Ravens up 7-3. to three. Then we bring it back. The Rams respond. A huge third-and-two catch by none other than former Raven Demarcus Robinson. Another twist and grab for Cooper Cup. And once again, we get into a third and goal situation. Matthew Stafford knows what to do this time. Throws it well before Cooper Cup makes his break into a wide open void. Touchdown. 14-10 Ravens respond. Sluggo touchdown to Odell Beckham. Once again, twisting, turning. 46-yard score after roasting whoever the hell was wearing DB4 out there. And then the Rams, this is all before halftime. Yeah, have their point for this game. Have their own <laughs> touchdown. Third and four. 34-yard completion to Puka Nakua on this insane crossing route catch. A few plays later, someone named, quote-unquote, Davis Allen. Yeah. A fifth-round rookie tight end from Clemson after Tyler Higby misses after Hunter Long, my guy, goes down. He makes his mark in this game. Hey, it's 2017 at halftime. This was in the elements, too. Yeah. In the rain. Yeah. In the storm. Safety for the Rams. Then 28-3, Rams touchdown. Stafford crushed on a Justin Mitablique hit. Incredible diving catch by Puka Nakua. Then on second goal, Matthew Stafford again climbs to a revenge game to Marcus Robinson for the touchdown. I mean, everything happened. It was an incredible effort. And Hayden, someone had to lose in the end and someone had to win. And the Ravens improving to 10-3 and three on the season. While the Rams must probably win, I don't know, three of their final four games in order Sneak to make in. the playoffs. Yeah, this is a game where just both quarterbacks played out of their mind. I think Lamar Jackson's putting himself back into the MVP conversation if he even ever left that. They're now 10-3. and three. Lamar Jackson, it was obviously you're going to get 70 rushing yards from him, but it was getting it done through the air, three yes. touchdowns to everybody. I think that Odell Beckham looks different now than he did at the beginning parts of the totally. season. He looks like he's coming back into form, obviously with no Mark Andrews. There, there is a little bit of path for someone like Odell Beckham to pop up in this one, but – 
it was Isaiah Likely, 83 yards and a touchdown filling in for Mark Andrews to pop off. And then obviously Zay Flowers is going to get in and out uh, himself. The running back rotation was a rotation once again. It was way more passing in this game from both sides here than we have seen from both of these offenses. Keaton Mitchell, a little bit more explosive than Gus Bus. Neither of them score touchdowns, but we shouldn't expect Keaton Mitchell to overtake Gus Bus. That would be a rotation, but moral of the story, this Ravens offense is super explosive. Finally able to see Lamar Jackson prove himself as a quarterback one. Real moral of the story, again, in the elements when so often teams rely on the running game like the Rams did to open this game. The Ravens decide just to put the game entirely in Lamar Jackson's hands. 43 dropbacks and 11 carries. That means Keaton Mitchell only had nine carries. Yeah. Guess Edwards only had six carries. That is, you are our dude. You're carrying this team yep. to victory. You're carrying us into the MVP conversation. I didn't even mention what you said about Zay Flowers, who prior to that final touchdown on a third and 17, and then the two-point conversion after, had about two drops. Again, couldn't yep. tell if he wanted to wear gloves, couldn't tell if he didn't, but it slipped through his hands. But obviously on that third and 17 was a big, big connection. Um, and yeah, it was great to see Cooper Cup back into the probably the closest form we've seen him in since he first came off injured reserve to start the year. Eight for 115 and one. And yes, Puka Nakua on just eight targets, just five receptions, but 84 yards. And those were difficult, tough yards against these great Ravens defensive backs. And Marlon Humphrey, the podcaster, could have put this one away just a little bit earlier. Yep. But in the end, they are able to pull it out in overtime. It was so weird to see the Ra the Rams started this game, run, 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 doing well with it, and then completely flip. Matthew Stafford took some absolutely Dude. huge shots in this one. Puka Nakua, huge diving grab on the sideline. He continues to look like the best rookie wide receiver in the class. And then, yeah. If Matthew Stafford's playing this well, even if Cooper Cup is not getting the same amount of screens, he's not having the same yards after the catch ability, he's still a good football player, still very inst instinct instinctual. Obviously, Sean McVay has completely been going crazy. There was one little element, though. Sean McVay was complaining about the headsets, and there was a timeout that had to be called right. uh, late in the game uh, because of some communication issues. Obviously, when you have the rain, you're playing on the road, all those things kind of time to creep up. But... Cooper Cup could still be an upside wide receiver three, uh, even if uh, he's not the same player just because Matthew Stafford is absolutely balling still. So the Rams the rest of the way. Six and seven, second in the NFC West, kind of. Uh, they, they get the Commanders, the Saints, the Giants in three of their next four. I like those. I think they should be favored in all those games. Yeah, but then, you know, that brings you, what, to nine and seven, and maybe you have to have that final road win against the 49ers who – Potentially could be resting some people by then. Maybe we'll see how the rest of the season goes. But I, I do officially want to see the Rams in the playoffs Too fun. Yeah. Th this week on Scheme with Colt McCoy. We're going to break down this uh, Matthew Stafford led offense because it's just amazing to me that the season he's had. Yes, he's been inaccurate at times, and even in this game, playing lights out, taking huge shots, forty-one pass attempts, and Hayden he still doesn't clear three hundred passing yards. Yeah, like what's a guy have to do? Yeah, seriously. Uh, Kyron Williams once again. 69 snaps on 77 potential snaps. So he's going to be a top three, top five guy no matter what. And just closing this one out with the Baltimore Ravens and their schedule. They're at the Jaguars, at the 49ers, then face the Miami Dolphins over the next Ooh. three games. So this one was pivotal, you yeah. know? Like that would be a nine and four potentially then maybe on to nine and seven after that. But hey, a 10 and six. Yeah. 11 and seven or 11 and six to close out the season looks really, really nice. If not, maybe an upset or two. 
And there's some good offenses. Uh, there's been some games where the Ravens' defense has been so good where Lamar hasn't totally. been pushed. Uh, obviously, the Rams were threatening this entire game. That's why you saw Lamar have to be more aggressive. So it's been very inconsistent for Lamar in fantasy, but there are going to be weeks where we'll be ranking them as like a quarterback two, three, or four overall just because we know he has these type of games in his back. And the point I really should have made instead of calling it an upset is I was looking at that Miami Dolphins game on New Year's Eve, 1231. Week 17 alert. I wonder who is going to be favored in that game because it's in Baltimore. It's Miami on the road the last day of December. Yeah. What do you think? I will say that's going to be Ravens minus one, but the highest uh, over under on the entire week. Okay. Well, we go from one AFC contender to potentially another. Bills versus Chiefs. The Bills keep their playoff hopes alive. Improving to seven and six, being the Kansas City Chiefs, twenty to seventeen. Hayden, that's despite ten points, a potential record this season for the Kansas City Chiefs in the second half. But Josh Allen and the whirling dervish style that he plays, with just five and a half uh, average passing yards per attempt and two hundred thirty-three passing yards on the day, uh, with we'll say it a controversial call at the end in the eyes of Andy Reid, in the eyes of Patrick Mahomes but not in the eyes of anyone else that watched Kadarius Tony line up off sides beyond the center line. Yeah. (laughs) Despite that taking away one of the coolest plays that I've seen, I don't know, in the last decade of Travis Kelsey catching a deep ball and then tossing it back across the field to Kadarius Tony to walk in, which would have won the game. I guess Kelsey's winning life too much where they can't give (laughs) up, you know, this play as well. So yeah, obviously Kadarius Tony, he got a couple scheme touches, but when it matters the most, you cannot rely on him or anybody else in this offense, yeah, the defense held the Bills in check for most of this game. Steph Diggs is still not getting it done. Gabe Davis was not able to get it done either. It was all the running backs for the Bills. It was Josh Allen trucking into the end zone himself. But this is a low-scoring game because, quite frankly, these guys just don't have the juice uh, in the skill positions or the offensive line or a combination of the two of them. And, yeah, the Mahomes is just – very frustrated. He should be frustrated at his wide receivers. Yeah. He should be frustrated a little bit, I guess, for the referees in this one. But Kadarius was lined up offsides, and that was the right call. So I think just a lot of frustrations for Mahomes just because it's been a very inconsistent season. I think Mahomes is still playing as good as ever, but he just does not have the guys to get it done right now. Patrick Mahomes' quote at the end, it's tough to swallow, not only from me and football in general. Now he's speaking for football at large. <laughs> Uh, to take away greatness like that for a guy like yeah. Travis to make a play like that. You want to see the guys on the field decide the game. They're human. They make mistakes. But every week we're talking about something. It's the call just in that moment. Patrick, hate to break it to you. Player on the field did decide the call. And it was Kadarius yeah. Tony. Yeah. Middle school mistake yeah. of lining up beyond the line of scrimmage. Another thing that they were talking about, at least we were in fantasy, Clyde Edwards-Alaire versus Jarek McKinnon. CH led him in snaps, in routes, in carries, but of course that does not always mean production. Uh, he had almost 70 yards, but it was Jarek McKinnon. Third and four, uh, not at the goal line, but right at uh, in the mix in the red zone there. Jarek McKinnon's going to be, be out there for passing situations. Obviously, he gets the one in a, uh, a good pre-snap look for Jarek McKinnon to run in there. So it's going to be super frustrating. We're going to see. I think the Chiefs want CH to ride the hot hand. <laughs> how hot the and how cold his hands are. He did have the hurdle. I did appreciate that. <laughs> but, yeah, even even if it is 
uh, one of these guys separate. Yeah. We should not assume that the Chiefs are going to be projected for 28 points and stuff like when Jarek McKinnon was balling out uh, to close last season. This is a 21 to 17 type of team, and they've been that the entire year. Talk about the Steph Diggs' day because in the yeah. end, I mean, four catches, 24 yards on 11 targets. Legereus Sneed lined up across from Stephon Diggs on 23 of his 35 routes. This is according to Nexion Stats. He limited him to just one reception for three yards on five targets. It's exactly what we talked about heading into this one. Reeves had some great stats in the worksheet mm -hmm. that typically it's secondary pass catchers that truly go off against this Kansas City Chiefs defense. Uh, today, that secondary pass catcher was James Cook. That's a trend. I mean, it that's, is. that's a Joe Brady trend. We saw a bunch of dump offs to James Cook, very explosive. In that, uh, it's just been a more balanced approach, and that's hurt Steph Diggs. Obviously, the matchup was hurting Steph Diggs in this one. And then the other candidate, if it wasn't going to be Gabe Davis, it wasn't going to be uh, possibly James Cook. It, we were thinking could have been Dalton Kincaid. Didn't really do that much with his work, but he did. Uh, he was out there for 60 of 77 snaps, even with Dawson Knox out there. So we do know who's going to win that competition. Daigle did send in some of his notes. Again, people in the chat, people in the comments, wish Daigle well down below he's dealing with COVID at the moment it still exists uh bill's running backs have been targeted 27 times under joe brady in the last three games uh and he did credit a few stefan diggs drops and also despite don kincaid leading buffalo bills in routes despite knox's return kincaid did leave and exit this game at the end with x-rays for a shoulder injury so Dang. we'll see how that changes things moving forward because they did find a lot of success in these last three or four or five contests with pure 11 personnel stuff. And just a closing thought on the Kadarius Tony play. I know we spent a bunch of time on it. I know yeah. everyone on Monday is as well. Andy Reid, other people are going to mention that, you know, typically you get a warning first before this happens. That still doesn't make it not a mistake. Yeah. It's something that we don't see. I don't remember maybe more than one other offense offside for the remainder of the season. Rasheed Rice, 83% routes. That is a season high. So I think we call them wide receiver three going into this week. I think that there uh, is room for even more growth behind that because they finally got Sky Moore out of the mix. Only 11 of 47 routes. They gave Kadarius some more snaps. Uh, what could go wrong? Okay, final point. The Bills are 7-6. and six. How many 7-6 and six teams do you think that are in the AFC? Just the AFC right now. There's got to be three of them, and all of them have backup quarterbacks, it seems like. There are six, seven, and six teams in the AFC right now. That is going to make for an incredible final four weeks of the season. Yeah. We need the Bills in the playoffs. Let's just be honest. We definitely need the Bills in the playoffs because, like you said, the other seven, the other five seem to have an issue or two injured quarterbacks. <laughs> but once again, we need to bring up the spree of teams the Bills are going to face, the Dallas Cowboys. The Chargers, not as difficult, it seems like, in the New England Patriots and then closing with the My. Those are some winnable Dolphins. games right there. Totally. They absolutely are. Skip the trip to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy and affordable. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. It's also cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% less expensive than takeout. That means less stress, more money in your pocket, and more time spent outside the kitchen. I nearly gave in to another expensive delivery receipt on my bank account the other day, but decided to instead try one of the HelloFresh meals for myself. And 20 minutes later, two chickpea burgers with turmeric aioli 
and oven crisp potato wedges with oregano on the side. It's that easy. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50mostaccurate and use the promo code 50mostaccurate for 50% off plus free shipping to get started today. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Backer of the NFC with maybe a team that is showing even more holes, especially when they are playing outside of a dome. Lions versus Bears. Man, you know me. I appreciate Ben Johnson. I appreciate what Jared Goff has done this season. But now the Detroit Lions are 9-4 and four after getting mollywopped yeah. by the Chicago Bears. 28-13. to 13. Talk to me. Well, we have obviously the narratives. Uh, tiny hands, California kid going into Chicago. Not a good look. Uh, same issues that I have with this. On passes, more than 15 yards downfield. He completed more of them to the Chicago Bears, too, oh. than his own team nice. with the Lions. Uh, there was an interception on the fourth and ten trying to move the ball, but really nothing was going. Like All the layups, like the Amon Ross, St. Brown targets, the Sam Laporta targets, yeah. there were a couple drops in this one early. Only two of their 23 pass attempts on early downs went for a first down. That's almost impossible to do because this is an offense that likes to stay on track one play at a time, and they could not get that done uh, whatsoever. It was Jameer Gibbs who had a couple explosive plays, uh, both of them pretty untouched outside zone carries to the outside, uh, one of them for a touchdown, a 12-yard touchdown, and they also had a 36-yard uh, run. But aside from that, really nobody stepped up. This was one of the worst Amon Ross St. Brown games we've seen in a very long time. He didn't have a first down this entire game. So this game was pretty much over early because Justin Fields and DJ Moore caught fire early. But it's not just the road splits that we're worrying about with the Detroit Lions. Yeah. It's their defense. They've allowed 28. 28, 29, 26, and 38 points in their last five games. And you're probably wondering, oh, that's probably some of the best offenses in the league. No, that's the Bears twice, that was the Packers, and that was the Chargers mm. and the Saints. So the Lions defense, super banged up. This place another guy, uh, defensive tackle on injured reserve. So this team has lots of holes comparing themselves to the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the 49ers. Yeah, 142 rushing yards given up once again today by the Detroit Lions. 58 of those and a touchdown by Justin Fields. As you mentioned, if you can block Aiden Hutchinson, you're going to probably have a pretty good day against this Detroit Lions defense. But actually, I, I come to expect them to give around 28 points up. Yeah. I do not expect this offense to only put 13 points on the board, especially when you go back to just last week about against the New Orleans Saints, posting 33 with some incredible play calls by Ben Johnson to get Sam Laporta on speed motion, yep. to Jamison Williams on crossing routes and rushing scores. We just got none of that today, man. Like, I, I again love me some Detroit Lions, but Hayden, it is trending towards yes, making the playoffs. But if you are this one sided and lopsided, and then that one side doesn't show as a yep. strength, you're a first round exit in the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be, there's going to be a team on notice, certainly. Uh, as for the running back split, it keeps going back and forth. We had Jameer Gibbs a couple weeks ago. He played way more snaps because they were in negative game script. Same thing happened. In this one, it was David Montgomery who started the game. They both mixed in. They're both somewhat efficient on their touches, but this was a game where David Montgomery got a little bit game scripted out of this one. So Jameer Gibbs, he wins the snap count battle in this one. Obviously, the Lions will play better than this one and probably wasn't just the tiny hands theory here. Uh, this is also what we see when you play uh, 
a team in the division a second time. You can see some wonky performances from here. And then real quick, just for the Chicago Bears, it was Deonta Foreman who gets the start, plays the most snaps. We had Roshan Johnson draw the start uh, the, the last time they were out there, but that was a weird game. It was a good call by you against the Vikings where Roshan's a better pass protector, very unique blitzing defense over there in a more uh, neutral uh, defense against yep. Chicago. It goes back to Deonta Foreman. So uh, he's the number one. It's still not a great role because they are going to be mixing them in. And obviously Justin feels like he did here. He's going to be capable of a rushing touchdown himself, but it was Deonta Foreman in the mix. Yeah. If you don't watch stats versus film, you don't get these incredible galaxy brain theories when they work out. Like Sometimes a hit. Roshan Johnson was only playing because of pass protection and working beyond multiple rushers on screen game. And that's exactly how it played out once Deontay Foreman came back into this. We aren't leaving this game without talking that incredible fourth and 13 conversion, a 38-yarder to DJ Moore. I mean, Hayden, now the Chicago Bears are 5-8 and eight on the season. It's not going anywhere playoffs-wise. Mm -hmm. But is it trending towards a direction where even if they have the number one overall pick, yeah. what, is, what is the status? What... Can Justin Fields, is he making the argument enough to still be the team's quarterback next year? Um, great game from him, but I would still say no. The Panthers keep losing games, so they will have the first overall pick, and they'll have their choice between a couple of great candidates there. The DJ Moore stuff on that uh, big, long, long touchdown, uh, a little bit of an offsides call, free play, win downfield. DJ Moore creates so much separation. DJ Moore also had a rushing score in this one, so Justin Fields could have had even a bigger fantasy game if that wasn't a uh, rushing touchdown himself. But yeah, DJ Moore has just been completely nuts this entire year. And he was just missed on a crossing route where Justin Field just uh, airmailed it downfield. So there was a couple times when we were at the bar watching this. Where for Justin work. Field, for work. For sure. Uh, we can call that work. Uh, Justin Fields took a couple just mind-numbing sacks in some yeah. really crucial situations. But that was really – the big, uh, the only big negatives with that, the, the miss DJ Moore and the sacks. Other than that, it was a super clean game. Some design rushes, some scrambling from Justin Fields. And then when you have DJ Moore to spread the ball downfield, obviously that's going to unlock the explosive play. Seahawks versus 49ers. The Seattle Seahawks put a, oh, excuse me, three, two, one. Sorry about that, Weeds. The San Francisco 49ers put a beat down on the Seattle Seahawks 28 to 16. And I say that because it ended in a fight, a brawl with DK Metcalf getting ejected at the end. But how did we get there? In fact, at the end of the first quarter, Seattle Seahawks are leading this game 10 to 7. A incredible first drive by Drew Locke. Basically four of six, hitting a dot down the left sideline, perfectly placed ball to DK Metcalf for a touchdown. That was after. CMC takes the first play from scrimmage yeah. for 72 yards. Yeah. And then Jordan Mason, you know, just comes in my guy, with a three-yard touchdown score. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, back-to-back 23-yard runs. That ends in a field goal. Brock Purdy interception. Leads Brandon Ayuk just a bit too far. Tipped, picked off by Seahawks. Then I would say that's exactly when the 49ers start to take over this game. On a third and 11, a 54-yard touchdown to Debo Samuel over Jamal Adams. I could see him checking Twitter. Connor, Roger, Connor Hughes' uh, Twitter feed just to see what he could do uh, after this game. But, man, that was just a brutal defensive snap. And Debo was electric in this yeah. contest. Debo has been electric over these last two games. I would say for the entirety of his career, yes, the Seahawks tried to keep it close with a awesome Shane Waldron call and a middle screen to a Kobe Parkinson 
touchdown. But in the end, I mean, if you aren't up on this 49ers team, if you aren't creating pressure on Brock Purdy, they just have too much to take you over because 49ers respond with their own touchdown, a 44-yard score by George Kittle and another Debo Samuel rushing touchdown. Hayden, in the end, this is the stat of the day. All right. It only took Brock Purdy 19 completions to get 368 passing yards. That is unreal stuff. It helps, yeah, when you have George Kittle after the catch, obviously Debo Samuel after the catch, and Debo almost had another uh, passing or a receiving touchdown. They gave him the next play where he was just tackled at the one-yard line. It's just He's insane right now. You can tell there's two different versions of Debo Samuel. There's the uh, unhealthy version because of his playing style. We've seen that at times over the last couple of years. And then there's this version where the last like three, four weeks uh, since coming back, he's been absolutely electric. And they're scheming him up in multiple ways. You're getting some of the backfield stuff, but you're also getting some of the deep targets yeah. as well. This offense just feels so unstoppable when you have a healthy Kittle, Ayuk, CMC. I mean, CMC had 145 rushing yards with that big play. Uh, even Brandon Ayuk still gets there with 126 uh, yards himself. So this is the best offense in the NFL. It's them and the Dolphins, in my opinion. And this defense could still rush the passer, passer at spots so uh the seahawks just can't beat the 49ers and yeah. that's just going to be the biggest problem for pete carroll for taking this team serious uh even with uh drew lock was able to move the ball enough but this game was quite frankly out of hand the entire game because it always just feels impossible to stop this 49ers offense yeah what, what the 49ers did to the philadelphia eagles two weeks ago what the let's say dallas cowboys it's only halftime but are doing to the philadelphia eagles right now halftime up 24 to 6. Wow. Hopefully these two teams face off in the playoffs at some mm -hmm. point, whether it be the NFC Championship, whether it be the divisional round, whatever, because I have to see Cowboys 49ers in my life for it to really matter. Um, because these to me are the two best teams in the NFC at the moment. Yep, I, I would have to agree. Uh for the Seahawks side, it was a little bit of a split between Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker had one of the craziest plays of the game yes. on that little uh, pass into the flats where he broke a couple tackles, spun out of it, did his whole Kenneth Walker thing. Of course, in Kenneth Walker style, he also has to get up slowly, uh, visited the trainers for a second there. So Charbonnet is mixing in a little bit. It was DK Metcalf who got the party started. Uh, down the field for a touchdown. But after that, it was a pretty quiet game in general for uh, the Seahawks uh, just because they had Geno Smith. He's probably going to play next game because we're getting pretty desperate with the Seahawks. Now they're 6-7 and seven on the season. they got to win a couple games to get back in the playoff mix. Traverius Ward, uh, I think, left around the second quarter, was questionable to return with like a back or an oblique mm -hmm. issue. Devin Witherspoon also had a back issue during this game. Uh, man... This Seahawks team, it, it you must feel frustrated watching them because it's not like hey, they've lost seven straight. I know that's not the case. Wow. But it has been rough once yeah. they started going all in on this season. And in fact, it has been four straight losses. And it doesn't get any easier for the Philadelphia Eagles, I believe, on Monday night football or Dang. Sunday night football next week. Got to get healthy. Got to get healthy. All right. We continue on with... Texans versus Jets. All season long, CJ Stroud has looked unbelievable. But when you go to the Meadowlands, when you face off against the Jets defense in pouring conditions without Tank Dell and also lose Nico Collins almost immediately, that ends the day with 10 of 23 for 91 yards, four sacks taken, 
and Hayden in the end, a really brutal head injury, and we'll see what his status is moving forward. Yeah, concussion for C.J. Stroud, and it seems like Nico Collins is going to be at least out this next game. He's a re-injury to his calf. He missed uh, one game the last time he dealt with this. Now we have a setback to the same exact side. So uh, you're going to be without even Stroud is able to play next week. He's going to be without his top two guys, and it was a rotation at wide receiver. Uh, it was Xavier Hutchinson. It was Noah Brown, who just couldn't get anything going once again, uh, he didn't. He was catchless on five targets and just a really sloppy performance, obviously going against a good Jets defense in those conditions. This thing was cursed from the start, but uh, I, I would say that as big of a story on the other side was just the return of Zach Wilson. Like it's so much, it's just so obvious that Zach Wilson is so much better than Tim Boyle and the rest of the guys they were trotting out there because the game plan was simple. Check the ball down to Garrett Wilson and to uh, Brees Hall, Brees Hall, uh, finished with eight for 86 and a touchdown on this one. Garrett Wilson, nine for 108. Robert Sala at the end of this game said that this was the best he's seen Zach Wilson Has play. And yeah, it's pretty simple formula when you have those two guys to throw the ball to do that. But it was interesting to see the Jets. This was not this balanced approach. Just because Brees Hall had this huge game did not mean that he was uh, the focal point on the ground. Uh, they actually had Dalvin Cook start this game for whatever reason. I don't know why they keep doing that. Uh, but it was 27 dropbacks to just 15 carries before this game got completely out of hand in this one. So it was a little bit more pass heavy despite the rainy conditions. Uh, and then the Texans also had some defensive injuries too. So a lot of injuries for the Texans and then obviously getting Zach Wilson, you can actually take this team at least somewhat serious for fantasy. It's pretty shocking when you just look at the box scores because it was the same conditions, albeit the Jets defense has obviously been superior to the Texans defense, which has been for us to get times mm -hmm. this year. But CJ Stroud again, 23 attempts for 91 yards. Zach Wilson, 301 yards on yeah. 36 attempts yeah. and two touchdowns. And Hayden, of his 23 completions, 27 completions, yeah. eight were 10-plus yards on the field. Like, yeah. I can't wait to go back and watch this game and see what he was doing because um, Tommy Doyle, Tim Boyle. <laughs> it's not going to work. Never going to come back into our lives. Yeah. And, you know, I think even before this game, there were reports that Zach Wilson's going to be traded this offseason. He's no longer going to be on this team, so on and so forth. Uh, just control copy, paste this performance, and show it loop to any other suitor out there. Yeah, we shall see. We shall see. Um, as for the Texans, again, this is a team that you and I have wanted, obviously, in the playoffs for a very long time. This is a team that has had some of the best moments of the season, best rookie performances from C.J. Stroud to Tanktail. Tanktail is going to miss. We know that, hopefully not for extended time, but Nico Collins will probably miss next week. We'll see about C.J. Stroud because he's – Head injuries and concussions seem to be impacting players yeah. less in the final eight weeks of the season than they did in the first 10 weeks of the season. What's going on here? If he doesn't make it, Davis Mills starts next week against the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. They play the Titans in two of their final four games. That's also including the Browns and the Colts. Even if the surrounding cast is missing pieces around him, I think that there is still enough to potentially yeah. to make a run if – if Davis Mills goes on the road and beats the Titans next week, will we be ranking any of these guys as starters? Like, does Brevin Jordan get in the mix? Dalton Schultz, we'll see if he returns from his hamstring injury. It didn't seem like he was in that close to return this one. Do we go back to the Noah Brownwell? Uh, it's getting a little bit harder to trust here. So that's going to be the thing with Davis Mills. I think is like fine enough. He's had a couple 300 yard games throughout his career. Um, I guess it would be Devin Singletary. It wasn't Damien Pierce as the two. It was actually Daria Gumbawale. Obviously, Ooh. when you're losing 
by this many points, that's going to go away from Damian Pierce. Uh, but Devin Singletary at least had enough touches to be back on the flex radar after losing a goal line touchdown to Damian Pierce last week. All right, let's stay in that same division. Colts versus Bengals. I say same division because I was expecting, even though they were underdogs on the road, the Indianapolis Colts to come out there and show something against the Jake Browning-led Cincinnati Bengals. No, sir. They lose by 20 points. 34 to 14, the Jake Browning Bengals go in and stomp the Cats. Okay, we got to talk about it because I believe 10 of Jake Browning's 18 completions (laughs) were at or behind the line of scrimmage. That equals Mm -hmm. 275 yards and two scores. He even exits for a period of time for cramping. A.J. McCarron, back from the dead, comes in, back into the NFL and into our lives. But, man, this opens with a 54-yard catch and run by Chase Brown near the line of scrimmage. Joe Mixon popping up with 21 carries, 79 yards, and a touchdown to go along with three catches for 46 yards. T. Higgins closes with two receptions for 72 yards. Maybe even a better day with a questionable offensive pass interference. I mean, going out there and putting 34 points with Jamar Chase only occupying three receptions for 29 yards – I mean, they really dominated three of the four quarters, and just the second quarter is when the Indianapolis score, Colts scored 14 of their points. Yeah, he spread this thing all around. There was only uh, three players had four targets, and everyone else had three or fewer of them. And like you would think that a lot of those would be screens to Jamar Chase, but they are definitely testing the waters with Chase Brown here. Obviously, a super explosive rookie here. It still is Joe Mixon as the, the primary early down guy. Joe Mixon still getting it done. As a receiver, another 46 receiving yards for Joe Mixon. But I do think the storyline here is Jake Browning. We can start beginning to trust him. Going into this game, the betting markets had the team total for the Bengals at like a 24. Yeah, which was we were shocked. pretty shocking uh, to me. But uh, what do you know? Vegas does know some ball here. The Bengals drop 34 on the Colts defense. The Colts defense has been pretty hit and miss. Totally. Uh, definitely lacking some uh, top guys in the secondary, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, they just couldn't tackle the Bengals. They're just dinking, dunking all the way down the field. I mean, the Bengals and the Colts are one of these six, seven, and six teams in the AFC. I mean, if Jake Browning can play like the offense, and like that's what they kept saying this entire time is he knows the offense, he studies, puts in all the work. Uh, the coaching staff trusts him. The skill guys yeah. uh, are giving him an effort. I think that this team could mix in the Bengals. Defense still scares scares me, which is actually pretty insulting for the Colts uh, to only have 14 points against them. This is probably the worst Colts offensive performance that I've seen in quite some yeah. time this season. Um, and still, regardless of that, I think it points to the consistency that Michael Pittman brings to the table with yeah. 11 targets, 8 receptions, 95 yards. I mean, in fact, one of their touchdowns was a 4th and 1 lob up to Mo Ali Cox. Their second touchdown was a blocked punt. Or, excuse me, it was a pick 6 mm-hmm. off the hands of... Tanner Hudson and Hayden, you know, as much as we love Zach Moss to open this year, what Zach Moss has given us since Jonathan Taylor has gone down today, 13 carries for 28 yards, four receptions for 28 eight yards targets. on eight targets. Eight targets. I, know, you, I mean, we might have to throw the model down the drain for Zach Moss at this point, but that was a brutal stretch. He was still heavily involved at the goal line. Uh, I can't uh, remove my camera like I typically do. But uh, I would love to with Zach Moss on this one. Just brutal run out once again. Speaking of runouts, the Colts, the rest of the way, Steelers, Falcons, Raiders, Texans. 
I mean, they should be able to. Do it feels it. like there's winnable games with everybody. <laughs> That's just the state of the NFL. You will, you'll we'll open every single schedule, basically, and all of it looks bad. Basically, if both teams are facing each other, I think both can <laughs> win. win. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, all the teams are so bad. Yeah. All right, let's continue on. Panthers versus Saints. Perfect segue. Speaking of so bad, Hayden. I mean. Some of the worst quarterback play and offensive play I have seen this entire season in what you want to call a football game between the New Orleans Saints and the Carolina Panthers, which helps two short fields in the end, the New Orleans Saints and Derek Carr being the Panthers, 28 to 6. Hey, let's go through this in three minutes. Yeah, uh, I got three minutes on Bryce Young's stats for you if you would like them. He had um, negative 26 total passing EPA in this one. So negative 26. Wow. I don't remember seeing something as bad as that one. There was a play-action boot that had an immediate interception. There were fumble issues. They have now a eight-game streak of 21 or fewer points uh, on the offense. And we can point out everybody. Bryce Young says he has to play better. That is totally. true. The offensive line injured, still a total mess. Even their left tackle, once again, allowing pressure. We were laughing at the bar, obviously doing some work at – Jonathan Mingo reps. We were laughing at DJ Chark reps. Some of these uh, back shoulder throws right off of Chark's face, off of his uh, chest. There were lots of penalties. There were near big plays that were completely wasted. Everybody's bad in this one. I, I even think they missed a uh, field goal attempt on top of this. So I don't know where to turn in this one. I guess for fantasy purpose, Chuba is still out there getting a bunch of volume, 76% of the snaps. We did get Adam Thielen. He looked like the best wide receiver, which is not saying – a whole lot here, but there really is no saving this team. I don't even know where you can start. The defense is getting exposed at times, and then there's obviously every single part of the Panthers' offense is a complete joke. Yeah, I mean the Bryce Young misses in this game were super. The evident. Mingo miss. I mean, oh. well, and there were really two. You're going to go back and watch this, and on the first drive, he has him one on one the outside and yeah. just leads him by a yard or two, and then you had to end the first half, and I think it was a too high look. Just over the middle of the field. Post. You have to make that pass, Bryce Young. You have to make that connection. You have to have that touchdown because there have been plenty of occasions this year where no one is getting open, where you don't have protection, where you don't have wide open players down the field. And it's what we've all been calling out for. And then the opportunity that you do, you come down and don't make yeah. that connection. And then on top of it, Hayden, I don't want the entire spotlight to just be on that because – there were other situations, as you talked about, a pure eight-man pass protection that then Ikiquanu immediately loses on these two with two vertical routes going 30, 40 yards on the field, and that's a sack and a fumble that the other team gets the football. And then, as you said, there was like a Stefan Sullivan drop. There was two where DJ Chark gets hit in his face mask in between the numbers, one on fourth and one and on a great back shoulder. It's just categorically all incredibly bad, and there are still four games to watch of them. Yeah, it's not going to end well. Uh, I'm looking at the passing chart for, for Bryce Young in this game. Is, he is like one for 10 on throws beyond 15 yards downfield. It's it's just really bleak stuff. And then for Derek Carr, things were not I mean, a whole lot better. Hayden, they're going <laughs> into the fourth quarter. Derek Carr was 12 for 18 for 37 yards yeah. and one interception. And I mean, everything was bad for fantasy on top of that because Kamara scores a touchdown, but he was losing like real work yeah. to Jamal Williams. Uh, the touchdown, of course, goes to Jimmy Graham, of all people. Only played a couple snaps, uh, but Jimmy Graham has to get his. Uh, why not? And then 
Derek Carr, he was just missing some throws, obviously playing through a bunch His of His offensive injuries. line was shouting at him. It was really bad. And then he had that interception with Derek Brown. I mean, my God, how he was able to come down with that one for the defensive tackle. That was bad. And then Chris Olave. There's so many times where Chris Olave is winning downfield, and he feels this close to catching a touchdown. He missed one uh, where I wasn't sure if it was on Derek Carr, if it was uh, Chris Olave in the ball tracking, but he at least had a red zone touchdown to save this game. But I mean, every single time you watch the Panthers, you think that you score seven to ten points, you think the game's over. <laughs> Truly, I mean, it is. It is. I, I don't think they'll win a, another game. I won't post it here, but if you want to go and take a look, Thomas Brown's wife or fiance or whoever was sending some tweets out as well, being like, "Hey, if someone else wants to call plays for the next four, we're just here because no one else will do it." Wow, <laughs> it's real bad, dude. Wow. Oh, it's so bad. Okay. Let's continue on with the rest of the NFC South because someone actually has to win this division. Buccaneers versus Falcons. Baker Mayfield's day. 14 of 29, 144 yards and two touchdowns. Yet, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers close it out and win 29 to 25, improving to 6-7 and seven on the year. And Hayden, they take the number one seed in the NFC South in Thank this you. moment. And I bring up that Baker Mayfield stat line because he wins it with a 12-play, 75-yard drive at the end of the game that includes a two-fourth-and-ones, excuse me, one-fourth-and-one, and then a second-and-six at the Atlanta Falcons' 11-yard line. Kate Otten with a beautiful ball from Baker Mayfield that included, I believe, a penalty on top of it to go and take the lead. I mean, we always talk about Baker Mayfield, how he's a streaky, confidence-built mm -hmm. player. And this season, from start to finish, has had a lot of confidence instilled into it. And he did it today without even Mike Evans breaking nothing. 10 yards. Yeah, it was nothing. Uh, obviously, we had Chris Godwin. We had his own wife uh, complaining about the targets. Chris Godwin absolutely lapsed the field with targets in this one. Still not a very efficient game for uh, Chris Godwin. But yeah, this was just thankful just to get Baker Mayfield and the Bucks a win here. I, I much prefer watching this team. It seems like they have a couple of fights. But really, it was the just mind-numbing uh, turnovers and negative plays from Desmond Ritter. We can talk about how he's able to move the ball. Drake London went absolutely nuts in this one, uh, was a huge factor in the dog bowl, uh, even came down with a little 30-yard uh, reception at the end on like a almost Hail Mary type of pass. Uh, we do get Kyle Pitts going, but the Falcons just cannot win some games because Desmond Ritter is always due for a couple sacks, uh, a fumble, uh, putting the ball on the ground, still recovering it, an interception. Everything goes wrong for Desmond Ritter uh, at the very uh, worst time. I've asked you this question every single week. Are we finally arrived that we want the Buccaneers to make the playoffs from this division? Yes, assuming they can get healthy. They were without uh, Devin White. They were without Vita, Vita Bea. Bea. Yeah. They were out with another corner as well. So it was a very depleted defense on both sides. Obviously, lose Grady Jarrett for the Falcons. So this was like a kind of sloppy game in general, but they were able to move the ball just because the defenses are a shadow of themselves. Broncos versus Chargers. The Brandon Staley era uh, might be over by the time that you are listening Joker. to this. I mean, in the end, Denver 24, Los Angeles Chargers 7. In the entire second half, you see Justin Herbert standing on the sideline with a sling under his shirt, under his sweatshirt, closes 9 for 17 for 96 yards, and want interception. On the opposite end, Hayden, the Broncos, despite opening 1-5, and five, are now 7-6. and six. Russell Wilson, 21 of 33, 224 yards, two touchdowns. Obviously, Justin Herbert breaking his 
it looks like it's an index finger on his throwing hand after just dealing with an index finger on the other hand uh, being fractured. It's really tough. But even before Justin Herbert leaves with an injury, he had first percentile EPA. So they weren't moving the ball. You can't just say it was his finger that caused this. Like, no, before the game, uh, before that injury, he was absolutely doing nothing with it. Uh, it's just Keenan Allen. We did see Quentin Johnson late in the game with Easton Stick pop up, but way, way, way too late. I guess the other storyline is really not going to matter if Justin Herbert's out for the season, which he easily could be. The offensive line is struggling. Uh, they don't have secondary playmakers to, to move the ball. Austin Eckler did win the hot hand uh, game here. He did play 72% of the snaps. I think that's just because it's impossible for Josh Kelly and Isaiah Spiller to get a hot hand. But this team will be projected for 14, 15 points for the rest of the season without Justin Herbert. And the defense continues to get absolutely shoved uh, on the ground and through the air. Corlin Sutton, I mean, this guy was running so pure with touchdowns. Another touchdown on 62 yards in this one. Dude, I mean, I'm looking at the Broncos schedule. They might run the table. It's the big ones at the Lions next week. And then it's Patriots, Chargers, Raiders. Wow. I mean, they, they're they playing the fun playoffs. football, yeah. too. You yeah. know, like, we are working around Russell Wilson's strengths as a passer. Obviously, Corton Sutton does what he does and finds the end zone on just four targets once again in 60 yards. It is. Every single week we talk about it. It's 60-ish yards yeah. and a score or not, and he's on this insane streak of scoring tutties. And then the other thing that we always know is Jerry Judy. I mean, my goodness, how he did not get his foot down on that touchdown oh. was absolutely insane. But, yeah, that was uh, – it's Colin Sun, clearly the alpha once again. The pick and lobby just absolutely loves Jerry Judy. Always like 45 yards. Lower. Of course, 16 actually come through on this one. But, yeah, this game, this game was just not competitive, which is – embarrassing for Very. a must-win game at home you brought in the offensive new offensive coordinator uh but when you have offensive line issues you have mike williams gone you have uh, josh palmer gone. josh palmer gone who's might maybe could return next week joey bosa gone and then the rest of your team's just quite frankly not good enough i think javante williams scored his first touchdown since december of 2021 yeah i mean chargers this week are on thursday night football it's against Dude. the Las Vegas Raiders, who, spoiler alert, did not score any points this week. Well, I mean, seriously, what is what is the over under in that game going to be? Twenty nine. Well, <laughs> you know what, Hayden, we got the same exact thing this past Thursday against yeah. the Steelers and the Patriots, and we got a shootout. Yeah, Bailey Zappi would be the best quarterback in this game, probably. Uh, let's just go straight down to that game, then. Yeah, Vikings versus Raiders. I mean, even when your quarterback gets benched about three and a half quarters into this game yeah and you still lose that's kind of a shame for the las vegas raiders but the vikings do win this one three to nothing uh josh dobbs 10 of 23 for 63 yards Hayden 47 says, yards given up in sacks yes. so his net rating was like 16 16 passing attempts. wow that's out of a bye <laughs> that's out of a bye nick mullins comes in nine of 13 does lead that field goal drive even alexander madison i think leads with an injury in this yeah. game too for 10 carries for 66 yards. Justin Jefferson leaves after a true hospital ball yeah. where he legit had to go to the hospital uh, from a Joshua Dobbs throw over the middle of the field. Someone pointed this out, and it makes sense. The more that Joshua Dobbs is learning about the playbook, the worse that he gets. Yeah. Just got to let him cook out there. <laughs> I guess that's what it is. But yeah, Dobbs is just played himself out of It's exactly what happened in Arizona, man. Yeah. Remember those first four weeks of the season when he was doing some really fun stuff and he turned to a pumpkin? He's now turned back into a pumpkin and yeah. who I think is a really good play caller's offense and Kevin O'Connell. Yeah. So we're going to go back to 
Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson. We'll see how banged up Justin Jefferson is, but you would have to be just so pissed if you're Jefferson. Come back from uh, your injury, and then obviously he went completely out for the ball, still was able to come down with the bands up in the hospital, just not a good sign for the Vikings. And he is still awaiting his contract. Yeah. You know, so everyone is giving him props for coming in and playing despite literally he could have set out the rest of the year. Yeah. And now at least my brain wonders what will happen the yeah. rest of the way. Um, I think with Nick Mullins, we're going to see a ton of over oh. the middle of field work, and it's going to be a ton to TJ Hawkinson and yeah. Jordan Addison. On the opposite end, Josh Jacobs also leaves this game after just 13 carries, 34 yards, two receptions, 16 yards, and uh, Aiden O'Connor, who at points this year has been a super accurate passer and a nice little surprise. Mm -hmm. The only thing you can muster is, you know, seven receptions for 53 yards for Devontae Adams and very little else. It's a lot. I mean, give credit to Brian Flores. When you're an inexperienced NFL quarterback going against Brian Flores, I'm sure that his brain was completely in a pretzel. Uh, was able to throw Devontae Adams a bunch of targets here, 10 of them, seven for 53. But that was by far the best uh, performance uh, in this entire game because it was 3-0. I'm running out of things to say about this. I guess it would be Zamir White if Josh Jacobs misses time. But what is Zamir White? gonna do with a backup quarterback it just looks really bleak for the raiders jaguars versus browns some might say we are saving for the best for last a joe flacco performance let's go for the ages <laughs> 26 of 45 hayden 311 yards three freaking touchdowns just one sack taken that gives us david and joku six for 91 and two amari cooper seven for 77 David Bell, maybe sure. his first catch of his career. Sure. One catch for 41 yards and a score. I mean, this game felt like it was out of bounds for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence starts miserably coming back from that high ankle sprain last week. One touchdown to three interceptions. Then he goes on a run of scoring two touchdowns despite taking four sacks. In the end, a field goal and keeping the ball wins it for the Joe Flacco-led Cleveland Browns, who Hayden... Just a cool eight and five on the season. Joe Flacco can play a little bit, you yes. know. He's at least giving these guys a chance. David Njoku, a couple yards after the catch, great designs from a good play caller himself. But yeah, Joe Flacco is definitely a awesome backup quarterback to have. This was, I mean, how many Deshaun Watson games have we seen? Three touchdowns, three hundred passing yards, uh, with only one sack with the Browns. Probably that has not happened before. So yeah, shout out to Joe Flacco. Uh, we have the same running back split as usual. Jerome Ford. He's going to be the one that's a little bit more explosive. He's the one that's going to catch a couple of passes here, but Kareem Hunt does get the goal line opportunity. But yeah, this storyline really was, at least for the dog bowl, David Njoku scores two touchdowns immediately, but then Evan Ingram himself yes. scores two touchdowns down the stretch. So it was a, a week of tight end production across the league, um, headlined by these two guys. And shout out to Trevor Lawrence for playing, yeah. first of all. Like, that must have been difficult. You're also having your third string left tackle and a guard that you traded for halfway through the year. And Ezra Cleveland, he leaves this game, Hayden. Mm -hmm. And some guy I think named Michael Hecht or Jake Heck yeah, or sure. something like that steps in. And uh, then I believe Miles Garrett gets seven pressures or quarterback hits in happen. just the fourth quarter. Yeah. And that closes. That closes the game. Um, it did make sense to me when I was trying to theorize this game of Trevor Lawrence, and I don't know if this has actually happened, but quick time to throw. That meant good things for Evan Ingram, especially with he and maybe Christian Kirk, at least last season, occupying similar areas of the field. Mm -hmm. I wasn't in on Calvin Ridley, who finishes the day on 13 targets, four receptions for 53 yards. And Hayden, Zay Jones gets 14 targets. 
for five catches That's for tough. 29 yards. If you got 14 targets in an NFL game, do you think you get 29 yards? I move the chains at least once. Uh, I'm probably drawing a couple uh, double teams though. So right. I would I would scheme up uh, stuff for Calvin Ridley. I'll give that Zay Jones, you know, uh, halftime speech. <sighs> Man, this Jaguars team. And I think part of the reason Trevor played, and I'm just again theorizing this is because CJ Beathard was going to miss the entire week too with yeah. a uh, shoulder or hand issue on top of it. They still have the Ravens and the Bucks over the next two weeks. So the Jaguars seemingly are in because they are first in the AFC South, especially obviously with the Indianapolis Colts yeah. on their heels losing this week, but things can happen over the final four weeks. Where are we at with Travis ETN? This was he did a score game, a touchdown. Yes, but he only had uh, like 70, 70-something yards in this one, 14 carries for 35 rushing yards. Is there anything? Is it just as simple as he's the a bowling ball? Line? It's so interesting because heading into the year, I think people considered him and evaluated him as this multi-cut, super explosive back. And I think he still can be in a straight line, but he is more like I'm going to bounce off contact, and if I break off one long run, that's my day, yeah. or a one short yardage touchdown, which also happened. Yeah, is that fair? I think it is fair. We are losing a couple snaps to Dearness Johnson, but really I do think it's probably the offensive line being banged up. And then uh, you were right with the Evan Ingram stuff, looking at it, Trevor Lawrence, time to throw, uh, 2.4 seconds, well, getting the ball I mean, out not that, pretty I quickly. didn't just nail it. That's like <laughs> hammer, nail, boom in the wall. There that was go. perfect. Keep it up. All right. We have eight minutes to make this the shortest yeah, let's do it. Instant reaction show ever, and we'll close out with Thursday night. Patriots versus Steelers. Maybe we just need seven seconds here, Hayden. Uh, what we got on Thursday night was a multi-touchdown performance from Hunter Henry on route to a 21-18 victory for the 3-10 and 10 yeah. New England Patriots. Mitchell Trubisky was abominable. Yeah. I mean, Abhorrent. I'm not even sure if I'm using those words correctly. I don't know. <laughs> but that, what I'm doing now is yeah. what Mitch Trubisky put out there in the NFL field. And George Pickens is still so absolutely tilted in this game uh, once again. Yeah, you just can't take the Trubisky team very serious. Of course, he's the one that scores a rushing touchdown in this. Kenny Pickett's going to be out probably another week or two. And then on the flip side... I mean, it's Zeke Elliott. Where am I? Where am I going to be ranking Zeke Elliott next week? Because his backup <laughs> running backs are not even like running backs. Jermichael Hasty, Ty Montgomery are borderline even NFL players at this point. Zeke Elliott, twenty-two carries, but on top of that, more importantly, eight targets. Yeah. That's what Ramondre Stevenson's been doing. So, and quite frankly, honestly, Zeke looks way fresher this year than he did playing through the knee and ankle injuries that he had last year. He's their entire offense, obviously. The Patriots scoring 21 points felt like a miracle. Probably unlikely to happen too many times moving forward. But Zeke is going to have one of the rare bell cow workloads across the league. You know who's going to love Ezekiel Elliott next week? Your model. <laughs> I mean, I warned you guys where I was going to rank him this next 29 week. opportunities in this now game. Now I'm going to be more 30. confident. That, that is He's going to Zach Moss me moving forward, though. Um, on the Pittsburgh Steelers end, I, I think I've read since this game, since it was on Thursday, that – Beat writers, maybe local radio, the media has turned on Mike Tomlin a little bit. I mean, Come on. That is ridiculous. And if it does happen, Mike Tomlin is going to get a blank check from David yes. Pepper. I mean, he's still 7-6 and six with this team. Yeah. He still has a winning record. Yes. I mean, uh, I mean, George Pickens, though, was irate. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we knew that this was a potential with uh, George Pickens. And honestly, deserved. <laughs> this team has been 
brutal on offense. You, I mean, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, like we can keep saying that we want Jalen Warren more touches, more touches, but this team just doesn't get to the, the red zone very yeah. often. Touchdowns are pretty important uh, yeah. for fantasy football, and they are uh, difficult to come by in spurts for the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, that's going to do it. Save my voice. We, uh, 55 minutes, a sprint, some might say. Thank you all for sticking with us. If you made it this far, obviously hit that thumbs up, subscribe down below, and um, support us. And I'll, I will say this. We've had a, a wonky last couple of weeks yes. based off the schedule. We're going to close this thing out strong. Uh, it's still going to be pretty wonky now that we have, you know, games on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, games on New Year's Eve no as travel, well. No travel, though, right now. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll figure this out. We're going to ride the ship. We had a lot of fun at Dog Bowl, and that's the most important. Yeah, and shout out to the people who won, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars playing fantasy football. Could be What's you? better than that? Also, shout out to Producer Weaves. Shout out to Dean. Shout out to Luke. Even shout out to John. Badge Bros. Badge Bros. For Big life. week for Badge Bros. Big week for Badge Bros. Uh, shout out to all of you. Again, changes happen. There are events. There are holidays. There's travel. We will do our best to put out content consistently for all of you because you're the community that is supporting us on our route to 100,000 subs. Let's get out of here. All right. For Hayden, I'm Josh. Up the villa. Guys, we have... Three and a half minutes for me to talk about Aston Villa Football Club. All right? Third in the Premier League, ladies and gentlemen. Who else beats Manchester City and Arsenal in the same week? Are you serious? Hello. We're coming for that action.